You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. I want to begin this Christmas homily with a story of a character we meditate on each Advent. That's Samson. For the 4 o'clock, I invited the kids up and gave them the G-rated version of Samson's life. But for you, get the real deal, because that's uh, what you deserve. You know, we need, to, we need to hear it. It's real. There's a lot of struggles. I see a lot of uh, myself and Samson just with the things he struggles with and the life that he lived and the struggle he came, the struggle of him coming to know God. So the story of Samson, of course, begins before his life began because like so many of the characters, the patriarchs and matriarchs in the Old Testament, his parents were barren, couldn't have children, and they prayed over and over that the Lord might give them a child. And an angel appeared to them and announced that they would conceive and bear a son, that the Spirit of the Lord would rush upon him, and that he would judge Israel against the Philistines. That he would free them. They'd been oppressed for 40 years and ruled over by the Philistines, their great enemies. Now, Samson was destined to be great, but that came with a demand, as it always does when we're called to greatness, that he was to be a Nazarite, which meant that he was not to be married, would not drink strong drink, that he would not uh, eat or come in contact with anything unclean, including you know, the dead, whether it's the bodies of animals or uh, humans, that that was part of that vow. And finally, that he would not shave his beard or his hair, uh, that he would never cut uh, any of his hair. So, did Samson live up to his vows? Did he rule as he ought? Well, it's complicated, as all of our lives are. So, Samson was a mighty man. He was a great warrior. And just some stories of his life, which I think are just so interesting and fascinating for us. So he was on his way to town of Timrah to see a woman that he loved, a Philistine, of course, uh, one of the enemy. He's going to see her, you know, love knows no tribe, I guess. He was attacked by a lion, tore the lion apart with his bare hands. So this guy's no joke, we know, he's the real deal. Uh, You know, bare hands beat a lion. Don't know a lot of people have pulled that one off. Later he's coming back and he sees this he sees this lion. Obviously it's been days. And bees have kind of taken over the lion's carcass and, and there's honey in the body of the lion. And, and Samson being the raw dude that he is just scoops the honey out and just eats it from the cat, stomach cavity of the lion. Uh, pretty interesting guy. So he, uh, all, he does this and in the process breaks his vow. He's not to touch things that are unclean, and the dead body of that lion was. Takes it home, shares it with his parents, doesn't tell them where he got it from. So it's kind of guy Samson was. He wasn't really a thinker. And so he wants to marry this Philistine woman, and he goes he goes there for the wedding. And at this wedding, he bets way more money than he has on a riddle. And the riddle is, he tells this riddle to everybody at the wedding. He says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And of course, I mean, this guy's probably told the story of him taking down this line with his hands over and over and over again. And so these guys solved the riddle. He owes more money than he has. 
And he says, oh no, he's super angry. He goes down to a town, raids it, kills a bunch of guys, takes all their money, and then pays off his debts with it. So things are getting bad for old Samson. Uh, he just seems to do all these things that he's, he doesn't really think through. And now, they're obviously angry about this whole deal. They take revenge on his family. And so he, at this point, he's furious with the Philistines. When in the end, it's all pretty much his fault, everything that's happening. But he's pretty angry. He catches 300 foxes. I don't know who <laughs> catches 300 foxes, but he catches 300 foxes. Ties their tails together, puts a torch in the joint tail of the two foxes, and then he sets them all loose right at harvest time in the Philistine lands, burns down all their wheat and all of their olives. And now, you could guess that they're pretty angry about this and they, that they probably know who it was. It was Samson, the old fox and torch trick. So he released, <laughs> releases all these, uh, all these foxes, they're furious, and so they go to his people and they say, you better hand over Samson to us. Uh, because, by the way, the Philistines are ruling at this point. So his people come to him and say, hey, Samson, we got to hand you over to the Philistines because otherwise we're all going to die. And so Samson says, okay, as long as you guys don't kill me, just hand me over, that's fine. So they, he lets them bind him up, take him over to, the, uh, over to the Philistines, and then when he gets there, of course, he's Samson. He can't just rope the guy up. So he breaks the ropes, takes the jawbone of a donkey, and kills a thousand men. So, a thousand men with a jawbone of a donkey. It's not even a, it's like a round thing. Like, I don't, so anyways, he does it though. The guy's amazing when he wants to be. So, he does this, and you'd figure at this point, he would just say, I'm done with the Philistines. I'm not going to be hanging out with the Philistines anytime soon. But it, lo and behold, he falls in love with another Philistine woman. Delilah. This is probably the story that most of you know. Samson and Delilah, which is not a love story. Because Samson loved Delilah, and Delilah never even liked Samson. She hated him from the very beginning, always wanted to betray him, because he murdered all of her people all the time. So, probably people in her family. So she spent the whole time she was with him trying to get him to tell her the source of his strength, which was his hair that he had never cut. Samson had broke every other vow that Nazarites take, repeatedly but he had never put a razor to his head. And in that, the Lord was faithful to him. He said, you know, this is the one thing you haven't done uh, that I told you to do. So he finally tells her because the words in the scripture are, she vexed him to his very soul with the question of where his strength came. Um, So she wore him down. He told her his secret. He falls asleep at her place. She shaves his head, strength gone. So the Lord leaves and he wakes up Philistines barge in, gouge out his eyes, throw him in prison. Not a pleasant scene. So he's sitting in prison for long enough that his hair grows back. And as his hair grows back, he regains his strength. And, you know, at some certain point, Philistines have a big party. They've captured Samson. They're free of their worries. They don't have someone ravaging their lands anymore and setting foxes, fires in their uh, crops. So they bring him out to, you know, make fun of the guy. So they're put him in this big palace, they're mocking him, spitting on him, making fun of him. And then for the first time in his life, Samson actually calls out to God. For the first time in his life, he actually asks the Lord for help. And he says, O Lord God, remember me. I pray thee, strengthen me. 
I pray thee only this once, O God. And then he takes hold of the two central pillars of the building, pushes them over, the whole building collapses, 3,000 Philistines die, including uh, Samson himself, and in his death, he actually frees Israel from their oppressors. Because everyone important in the Philistines died in that moment, and Israel was able to overcome them and be free. So, Samson, what an interesting character. Was he a good guy? It's, I mean, maybe, kind of, I don't know, yes and no. He's a complicated character. Maybe, like you and I. So, why did I talk about Samson today? And what does he have to do with Christmas? With the Incarnation? Why do we meditate on him in Advent? And why does he matter? Well, Samson was a man who was called by God to a very particular mission. I mean, he was basically told in the time that he was a child, this is what your life will be. And this is what God told us that your life will be. That's a very specific mission. And he believed it, almost certainly. I mean, he'd heard the incredible stories of creation, of the miracles in Exodus, of Mount Sinai, of the manna in the desert that kept the Israelites alive. He'd heard all those stories. He'd heard the story from his parents of their encounter with an angel who told them that they would have him. So certainly, he, he believed it. But Samson himself had never actually encountered God. He had never met God himself. He'd never spoken with God. And because of that, he just doesn't know what to do with his life. He has no actual direction. How is he to go about being the judge of Israel? How is he to go about ruling? The man's a slave to his own passions. How is he supposed to free Israel from the Philistines? And he didn't reach out to God because he didn't know even what that looked like. So, I think for all of us, we struggle at least at some point in our life, and maybe for our whole life to some extent, with this same dilemma. That all of us know deep down that God is calling us to something. Because why the heck else are we here? You know, why are we on this earth if God doesn't have something for us to do, some sort of mission for us? Uh, It's the only thing that makes sense. And yet, how are we to go about figuring that out? Specifically, I mean, I'm not just talking about, so for young people, what am I to do with my life? Of course, yeah, that's a huge question. What is my actual vocation? For those of you who are already living in the midst of a vocation, you're a parent, you're raising your kids, what is the ideal? How do you actually go about doing that? What's the day-to-day of that? What does that look like? What's the goal of raising a family? Uh, What's the end of it? The only one who can communicate that with any real truth is the Lord. And we have to reach out to him and ask him, what does this look like in my daily life? Tonight, the night on which Jesus was born, 2,000 years ago, something truly new happened. Not very many times in the history of the world does something new happen. And something that we couldn't have imagined. That, and, and we think about what the thing actually is. That our God, who is infinite, he's present everywhere, all at once. Uh, he's all-knowing, all-powerfully, all-powerful. Is suddenly among us in a particular child. A baby in Bethlehem. The son of Mary of Nazareth. And the foster son of Joseph. That God became a man. What does that actually mean for us? He knew more than anyone, more than any of us, 
the mystery that he was to us. He knew our hearts, the difficulty of reaching out to him, the the difficulty of trying to communicate with an infinite God, the difficulty that Samson had in his life, and that all of us have at different points in our own life. He knew that problem. And so he chose to pursue us, to come among us, even to the point of becoming a tiny, poor baby in a manger with shepherds as his honor guard. Not some king in a palace who's still far off. He's right in the midst of us. You know, there's an amazing moment at the end of Samson's life that, uh, so the writer of Judges is recalling the story of his sort of glorious death, and he says, Samson conquered more in his death than those he conquered in his life. So Samson called out to God exactly once in his life. He prayed one time in the entirety of his life that we know of. And in that single moment, God accomplished more with him than he accomplished in the entirety of the rest of his life. So think about that. If we call to the God, our God once, if we call out to the Lord a single time, he can do more with us in that moment than we can do with our entire life. So why not call out to him always? Why not come before him always? And we're not even in the same position as Samson. You know, Samson's still old covenant. He knows God from the stories, but he doesn't know the God who has become man. This first reading we have, what a beautiful reading. It's the prophecy of Christ. It says, a child is born to us, a son is given us. They call him Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace. So we're not reaching out to some unknown God, some infinite, immaterial, spiritual God. We're reaching out to a God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. We don't walk in darkness. We have seen the great light. We can know him as a friend. We can receive him in the Holy Eucharist, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, just as much his body as his body in the nativity in Bethlehem. He's just as real here in the Mass as he was there in the manger. So we can do that daily if we want. In your life, if what you're to do next with yourself, if your day-to-day life is a mystery to you, if you just don't know, which, if we're not reaching out to the Lord, none of us do, myself included, if we're in that place, if that's a mystery to us, then call out to the Lord in your heart right now and daily, but ready yourself, because like Samson, he will answer.